Welcome to the Solar Cavern Podcast. My name is Sav, and I like to talk about philosophy. I think one of the most important things to do in life is just to be kind to one another. Because when you exert that energy out into the external world, that same energy will come back to you in some way or form. It will happen. I believe it. This episode, I'm going to be referring to a movie on Netflix called The Great Hack. I highly recommend it. It's about a group of people, a professor, a former business development director, and a British investigative journalist coming together to share their stories, trying to expose a company called Cambridge Analytica. This company had a lot of manipulation techniques for both the Brexit campaign and the 2016 United States presidential election. Investopedia says that Cambridge Analytica was a consulting company that specialized in using data science methodologies to support political campaigns. Basically, this was a company that targeted Facebook users as well as other social platforms to run advertisements based on user profile and behavior, showing them ads for political campaigns that could sway their opinion. A huge part of this scandal was that Cambridge Analytica was using more than 87 million people's data without the knowledge or consent of almost any of the users. They would collect something called data points, which was used to build this artificial model of you that allowed the system to psychologically profile a variety of the users which means they could look at all of your data and predict who you might vote for solely based off of information you give the app. The advertising world bases their business on your behavior, but Cambridge Analytica took it to a whole nother level, making it ordinary people versus this huge industry corporation. This might be a little bit extreme, but it's an example. Imagine you code this algorithm for a new social media app where people can upload pictures of dogs and cats. They think it's this cute new app where they can show off their cute animals, but really it's for something else. As users scroll, there's something in the coding or in the technology where it uses heat or infrared, whatever, but it's able to scan your fingerprint through the screen without you knowing it and without your consent. Then the app sells their fingerprint to other companies. People start to find out that they're taking their fingerprints and selling it, so they expose your app, okay? What would you do? Obviously, it's ethically wrong what you're doing. So, you declare bankruptcy and go out of business. Before anyone can see the files, you delete them. You still have over 87 million fingerprints, but they're suddenly gone. And that's what Cambridge Analytica did. They declared bankruptcy, and went out of business before anyone could do anything about it. There are laws being made to try to stop this from happening again. One of those is the California Consumer Privacy Act, which places severe limitations on what big tech companies can do with your data. 
And yeah, there needs to be more limits on data mining. Why do we let Facebook and Google do what they want with our data, giving us hyper-targeted, super-personalized advertising that sometimes we like, but sometimes is kind of creepy? And it's our data that they're using and selling without our consent. There are tons of blurred lines when it comes to the ethics of data rights. And data rights are human rights. We pump our data into these apps, but then who owns your data? Would it be you or this company? Cambridge Analytica is a private company learning how to profit off of democracy. They interfered with the 2016 election because of how they psychologically profiled users to get them to sway one way or another, either left or right. They did the same thing during Brexit. Cambridge Analytica was started and operated by British people. So it was sort of like this new form of colonialism, except super sci-fi, except not fiction. It's non-fiction, it's real, it happened. British elites were tampering with the world, like they had been for hundreds of years. Sound familiar? Except this time, completely digitally and with ordinary citizens' information. Let's switch gears from Cambridge Analytica and move on to utopian dystopia. Quick definition, a utopia is an imagined place or state of things in which everything is perfect, and dystopia is the opposite. There are numerous dystopian books, such as 1984 by George Orwell, A Clockwork Orange by Anthony Burgess, The Giver by Lois Lowry, read that one in fifth grade, Animal Farm by George Orwell, and the well-known Hunger Games by Suzanne Collins. What influence did these fictional books have in politics and our reality? All of these books had a utopian slash dystopian plotline. It's cause and effect. Like upper middle advanced economies affecting the pollution and social decline in a developing world. It's a utopian paradox where one world benefits from this said utopia, while the other world is affected by this utopia, causing a dystopia. There are certain elements of a dystopian society. One is government control, either having no government or an oppressive government. There is also the loss of individualism, where the dangers of conformity are highlighted. There are many types of dystopia. The bureaucratic control with relentless regulations. The corporate control, which controls people through media and products. The philosophical or religious control, where ideology is enforced. And the technological control, computers, robots, science controls the people. So, I found this lecture online from St. Francis College, where Gregory Clays speaks about utopia to dystopia. We all have some idea of what the two key terms here mean, but somewhat less about how they're interrelated, and still less about how the question mark at the end should be answered. What he's saying here is that we know what utopia and dystopians are, 
but we know less about how they're related and how they interact with each other. Because we could be moving towards a utopia simultaneously moving towards dystopia. In the perilous times in which we live, however, we need to remind ourselves what dreams of a better world look like, how truly awful worlds arise, and what our course between the two might be. People in the 1940s or 50s may have dreamed of computers or robots inside of their car that help them get from point A to point B, or a GPS as we know it. Sure, your GPS helps you get places and helps with directions, but your GPS is also tracking you, recording and storing your data. You allow these developers to have control over that data. And as I said earlier in the episode, you never know what the developers true intentions with your data could be. This is not, however, if it ever was, an abstract intellectual exercise. There's a strong case, I think, for suggesting that humanity stands today at a crossroads in which a choice of direction may dictate our very survival. Our grandmothers and grandfathers, great-great-grandmothers and great-great-grandfathers all had dreams of a better future. We have tools and technologies that help us in our daily routine. They get us places, entertain us, make things flow quicker. If you had a question about literally anything, you could simply type it into Google and within seconds, you have all the information you need. What happens when technology becomes too strong? We have tools that help create our utopian-like society, one that would be completely abstract to our ancestors. We are constantly persevering and making progress to the future. Everything that we do helps contribute to this technological database. I feel like we need to be cautious about how we proceed. And that's going to wrap it up for this episode. I hope you enjoyed today's topic. Thank you for listening to The Solar Cavern.